0: Welcome to One World, stories that change our world for the better. Climate literacy in our schools is more important than ever. Teachers, students, residents, and community members are looking to schools to take on the critical role of education and empowering students to be practiced in understanding climate and responding to the climate crisis as well as all the opportunities in moving toward a greener economy. Today, I am so pleased to welcome Lucy Garcia and Dan Linehan, climate reality leaders and the conveners of the Climate Curricula Committee for the Los Angeles Chapter of Climate Reality. Lucy taught high school science for over 20 years and has always taught climate change in the classroom. However, in most schools across California and the United States, climate literacy is not required. So Lucy, Dan, and several other dedicated and talented members led the effort to change that. And their climate literacy resolution passed in Los Angeles Unified School District on February 8th of 2022. Now the committee is working with the district and building a coalition towards broad, rapid implementation. Lucy, Dan, welcome to One World. Thank Thank you you. for having us. This is awesome. What a wonderful idea for a podcast. It really is. And um, I want to ask you, how did you bring together such a talented group from the community to get a climate literacy resolution passed
1: in February of 2022? It was actually quite easy. It's a small group. It's a very small group. Um, you know we, our first meeting we had maybe 17 people. We have on average you know, 11, 12 people there. It's very focused. We have active teachers, retired teachers, active principals, retired principals, a few students. Uh, every once in a while, while we have climate activists. and uh, many of us have been parents of um, LAUSD students. And it, and the reason why it worked, was two two reasons. The first one is we know the district and we know teaching. And the second one is that we represent, uh, you know, there was the money was there from the uh, Recovery Act, right? So to actually begin to do something about it. Some of that money is supposed to go to equity and mm-hmm. to climate action. So that's, that's where we fit in. So, um, that made the that made the initiative very attractive. Dan,
0: share with us why you got involved in uh, working together to pass this resolution.
2: Yeah, it really kind of uh, married a lot of my uh, the interests and the background that I had. Um, you know, I was asked to help mentor um, climate leaders in Los Angeles. I'm actually from the Bay Area, and so when that opportunity happened, you know, I, I agreed to help out, and then um, that's where I kind of met Lucy through that. And uh, they found out that I had worked in LAUSD doing some curriculum and uh, uh, assessment work as a consultant, and um, so I kind of got involved with her group, um, not necessarily from the teacher side, but more from the other side, mm-hmm. you know, from from like the publishing side and you know the project management side and all those types of things. And so that's kind of where I came in um, into the into the group.
0: Some of the components of the climate literacy resolution. Um, I understand it would commit the LAUSD to integrate climate learning and climate justice into pretty much all of the subject
1: matter across all grades, which is pretty bold. So tell me about that. I think you've touched on the most important thing. The the first part, the first resolve is that the uh, Los Angeles Unified School District commits to transforming our teaching of climate change to meet the scale and urgency of the crisis. And that it will commit that it requires a commitment that will require the allocation of significant resources a in the sections that follow what we have is a commitment to. rapidly expanding outdoor education, then there's commitment to different working groups and working to you know beginning to coordinate them district databases professional development. Very crucially, the creation of a climate literacy champion position at every school. And uh, support staff at, at you know not not yet just dedicated support staff, but but uh, support from staff at every other level of the district's um, the diff- district's organization. So that's all of it is is very good. We haven't seen any money yet, but <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, we're hoping that this is going to get. Uh, implemented well in this coming you know begin to be implemented in this coming year it's a it's a multi-year process right and is there training for teachers or other supports for teachers as well we are just beginning to work on that Um, one of the there is it's a wild west out there there's a whole (laughs) there's a whole lot of climate curricula lots of it and some of it is excellent and some of it is pretty you know uh surface and then there's and and it's not organized together so it needs that sense of you know beginning to be organized and then and then there's some groups that are working on 10 strands and other groups are working on this very uh very uh you know much more deeply on it and then we have to address the biggest problem and that is that most teachers do not see how it fits into their subject matter and that is the biggest problem but Climate touches everything, right? <laughs> and the solutions are not in, a, they're not in innovative, scientific innovation. That's not where they are. We've got scientific innovation. We're not doing it. We're not implementing it. My my students used to say, "But Miss, why aren't we doing that?" <laughs> and the problem is in policy, in history. That's you know, uh, in culture. And those things, that's where the humanities teach us. So that's where it has to come in. Right.
0: And that's why it's so so important to teach that. So there's some exposure to how do you problem solve? How do you actually take a solution and get it implemented um, as well? So I just love that about that as well. Now, I understand that a majority of parents
1: really want climate literacy. Tell us more about that. From a, a, a giant study was done, probably the first of its kind, was done in, in February of 2019, and that showed that 80% of parents want to see it taught in the schools. Uh, at that time, 86% of teachers wanted to see it taught, but less than half of teachers were actually teaching it. And the reason was that they didn't understand how it fit into their own, into their own um, subject matter. And so there's a lot of support for teachers that is needed. The other thing is that this is held, this is held right through the pandemic. In October of 2021, another uh, study out of, uh, this one's out of Yale Climate Communications, uh, showed that 78% statistically equal uh, of parents support the teaching of climate change in public schools. And What about teachers? What's that number looking like? So the teachers uh, is 86%. And students, but as I say, oh, students! Students are overwhelmingly for this. I don't. I don't think that there's. Uh, I didn't see a statistic on this just today. So if I, Dan, if you know something about that, that'd be great. If not, I don't want to put you on the spot there. But uh, my experience is that teacher that students all want to know about it. Right. I mean, when you go into the classrooms, you can see how engaged they are
0: about this topic. So I think that's great. So Dan, talk a little bit about how you, you know, did some of the strategic advising of this committee and some of the role that you had.
2: Yeah, well, I think like um, it goes back to the way our makeup of our committee uh, as Lucy was describing that we have a lot of a lot of talented people from a lot of different areas. Uh, that came together for this com- for this uh, committee to, to get this resolution passed. And um, I, I think that we did something very extraordinary in a very short amount of time. When you think of it in a practical sense, we know that this climate crisis is an absolute urgent matter. Um, but we are facing um, a process that is, is normally quite slow trying to get a resolution, on top of that, we had to deal with the COVID issues. We were in the middle of trying to get this resolution passed when the outbreak of, of the, um, the second strand of COVID was hitting, and you know, just as students were trying to get back into school. So, what we what, what I really kind of tried to focus in on was, you know, how do we how do we um, be respectful. Of the circumstances going around, how do we work together with the partners that we must have, which is which is the school district and the Department of Instruction? Um, these are all partners, and um, we all have you know our um, main goals and our times sometimes are a little bit different, our timing, right? And we're fortunate in our committee to only be working on really that one issue, whereas the board and the, the school district itself. We're also dealing with many other things, so it was just a matter of trying to best, you know, communicate and work in a very difficult time. And so I think that's maybe you know Lucy would probably be able to tell you better, but you know that's kind of the role that I was trying to do is is trying to kind of make sure we just kind of meshed as best as possible in that time.
1: Well, thank you so much for your work on that. Go ahead, Lucy. You want to add to that? I, I would say that I would say that Dan. Um, is very good at keeping, keeping us on the very next task. And that's, uh, and not trying to look ahead too much and do too many things at once. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I keep because, saying that, that, you know, a lot of action, and I'm not saying that this applies to our, to our committee. I'm saying this applies to all activism. Um, just because you're active and you're running around like crazy doesn't mean you're making progress. And so the key to actual progress is making progress. That's the key. It's not doing a lot of things, it's actually achieving victories and making progress. right? And so that's something that you know, is important for any type of activism, um, because again, if you're doing a bazillion different things and you don't finish any of them, it's all wasted effort.
0: Absolutely, you can kind of spread yourself across lots of different things and all kinds of different steps, but you really need to keep moving forward on this one you know, action and resolution. So um, I think a lot of people don't realize that you're a volunteer. I mean, that, that you are a resident, you're a teacher, you're you're an author, you have other jobs, but that you can actually make a difference right in your community. So please talk about that, Lucy, because I think a lot of people think that, you know, climate activism or environmental activism requires all these kinds of complex skills and that it, it just matters that you care, really.
1: You're gonna learn as you go along. That's what I've been doing. Um, and I've had these wonderful, um, welcoming experiences, both with the group up in Northern California in the Bay Area, Sarah Ranney, Becky Frankie, Helen Fitzmorris, or Dr. Helen Fitzmaurice, she just got her PhD. Um, the uh, environmental studies teacher, Joseph Sen, They have my eternal gratitude. And then there's a whole number of people around them that have been very, very helpful to us. I went to, I heard one of their webinars about how they were uh, training teachers. Then uh, they invited me to meetings. I was listening to everything that was going on and trying to learn and plan ahead. And then I, I got my training with Climate Reality Project. And then I, Los Angeles Climate Reality Project was so welcoming. You know, I was like, you think I should start a committee? And they said, yes, <laughs> we'll help you. And they did. So um, there's a whole lot of people who have been doing lots of things for a long time, and, and you will be welcome. It is so true. And it's amazing
0: how many talented people who are bringing you know, their marketing skills, their writing skills, their teaching skills, you know, their experiences to bear on this. Dan, can you speak to that too about how um, activism and has really, you know, kind of, um, doesn't have to have tons of experience or connections and you can get things done and bring your skills to the table.
2: Sure, absolutely. But, you know, this also circles back to our resolution where we talk about, you know, all grades and all subject matters, right? And so the reality is that the climate crisis is so big, and as Lucy said, it affects so many different things. To solve it, it's going to take the skills, the skill set of many different types of people doing many different types of things, right? And so this is the key to the activism, right? For example, you know, we've got this big climate, we've got this climate curriculum committee. Boy, we could sure you some help with web. Oh, we could show sure you some help with design work, you know. And these are all things that maybe someone who's not strong on the science and maybe is not comfortable talking about, you know, greenhouse gases and how this affects, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the different layers of the earth, but they want to contribute. Yeah, well, there's places for people like that because it all helps, right? And so I think this is one of the great things that anybody... Who, who does want to do something. And, and again, we talk about Climate Reality Project. You know, I had been, you know, I'm a former researcher and a former scientist and I made a very big change in 2000. Um, and in 2002 is when the light bulb went on my head to, 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 to learn more about climate because the Larsen B ice shelf broke up and I knew something was really strange there because I was a physicist, you know, and things just don't break up in a matter in less than a month, the size, you know, of a state, you know? And, um, but the reality back then was there wasn't much for me, there wasn't a network of people that I could that I could kind of cling to at the time. And so, you know, it wasn't until years later that, you know, I've come up, hey, wow, some of these climate groups are starting to, to happen. Let me join one to kind of get a little more background. To, you know, I don't want to be like the lone little person. I want to, I want to be with the tribe. And I think for people who, who want to do more and are uncertain, like again, joining a joining an organization, you know, just to kind of get a feeling for things, and you can gradually get involved as, as as much as you want is is the best thing. Which again circles back to all students, all subject matters, because it's all really important, and that's how we solve the climate crisis.
1: Absolutely, go ahead, Lucy. Yeah, I just want to uh, deepen that one one little bit more, and that is, we're talking about activism, but there's not everything is accomplished through activism, and not everybody is an activist. We have so many disciplines in the, you know, in the world that and all of them matter in creating a, a, a culture. So when, you know, if you're a person who's, you know, who's a writer and that's all you want to do is write, you don't can't imagine writing anything but what you is in your heart. Right. So then do that. But always do it in concert with others. That's the key thing. Whatever you're doing, just make sure that you're working together with other people and with a completely honest uh, and eyes open appreciation of what's going on in this, ter- this terrible and uh, amazing and um, a infinite, you know, this this place that is full of infinite possibilities, as, as Alicia Garza of uh, Black Lives Matter puts it, right? So you, you there's a place for literature. There's a place, there's a place for maths, right? There's a place for just languages. If you're good with languages, and uh, you know, there's a place for art that isn't, you know, isn't designing leaflets. There's there's a place for all of that. In fact, some of the uh, the, the climate artists say um, art eats strategy for breakfast, (laughs) indicating how deeply um, art can reach out and begin to change people's minds. So I just wanted to say that. Every discipline in school matters, every single one, in their own way. We don't want to subsume them into activism. Absolutely. I wish you were my teacher when I was
0: growing up. Um, I want to turn this over to Thea Larson, who is also our co-producer for the One World podcast, and she is currently a high school senior at the Orange County School of the Arts. Thea, please take it from here. Hello.
3: Thank you so much for having me. So I would first like to ask, and I know you both touched on this a bit. What advice do you have for those who want to expand climate literacy
1: in their own communities? So, um, if you if you have any uh, no experience but any you know faith that you can bring to activism, do it. Just 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 find somebody that you can work with and and do it. Um, And don't stop for anything. Just keep going. There's the people and the you know the convoluted things that are happening in. know the rules that happen in government they are things that intelligent people who are in government are going to help you through so you're gonna you're gonna find help from all sorts of angles um so do that if you're not an activist as i was saying you have another talent you have another talent find that talent and find how it you know, find other people who know how to how to work with with that too, and work together to make something happen that that helps us understand what's gonna you know what is our place on earth, right? Because that's what we have to solve. Get people outdoors. The outdoors is healing, and we're going to h- help heal teachers. That's one part of the resolution I didn't mention is that we're going to get people outdoors, teachers and students outdoors because even the littlest little piece of of nature is like a little uh, bright spot in your consciousness and helps you heal. And then it, 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 the more that, you're, that, you're, that you absorb from nature, the more you realize that you are part of it, that you belong there and um, here <laughs> because it's around us. And that's, in my opinion, is how we're going to um, keep moving forward.
3: I really think everybody needs to hear that, and I totally agree that nature is soulful and healing. Um, Dan, would you like to add on that?
2: Sure, you know, I would say that um, for people to engage, I, I think that your, if your question is directed more at students or, or adults, you know, who, who maybe, you know, who are deep in their career or something like that, I think there might be a little bit of different things because students are kind of finding their way, you know. Um, I was still finding my way, even after I was, you know, a gr- or even after I went to grad school, I changed careers, right? So I think as as someone is trying to get involved in this, there's just so much, and it could be overwhelming. So what you do is you just try to engage a little bit. You see what lectures are out there, what what groups are out there, see some presentations. It's a little bit different world with COVID right now because you know things are a bit closed down to do in person stuff. But I would say, if someone wants to get involved, it's just you know, kind of be a fly on the wall for a little bit and see, you know, where, which which kind of area do you want? Well, if you really like the outdoors and you have that capability, maybe you want to do some work with you know, like an outdoor club. If you kind of like the arts, you know, and maybe there's a group that is a little more centralized on that, we'll do that. If you don't know, just try a bunch and just see what sticks. Where do you where 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 that fits? And um, so. You know, like Lucy said, there's a lot out there um, and um, it's just worth especially sampling it if you're not quite sure. Um, You want to do something you just don't know. The best way of doing it is dipping your toe in and just try to get that experience.
3: That's really inspiring. I think everyone needs to hear that. And as a youth, I think it's super important from everyone of all ages and angles and groups. Um, Dan, if you'd like to start again, why is becoming a climate reality leader so important?
2: Um, Well, for me, it was... uh, gosh, you know, it went back to again, you know, that, that time in 2002, you know, when I saw that Larson B breakup and I knew I had to do something. I knew I actually had to get to Antarctica to study climate change. And I did, and it took a little while to do it. And, uh, and in 2006, I finally got a chance to get to Antarctica to study climate change. Um, and still this is around the, this is, I made my trip before the Inconvenient Truth came out, but it came out right before I went. And, um, so it, it started to kind of seem like more people were getting you know it was becoming more popular the issue and so i think what ended up happening is after i got back um i still couldn't necessarily um make the impact or get you know find the tribe that i really needed um and that's why i ended up kind of connecting with the climate reality project because it it filled in a lot of the pieces that um that I was missing, and it also gave me, I felt, a great toolbox to start with, because climate reality, you know, um, you get this great, you know, training, and then you've got the slides from Gore, and you can then adapt it. Now, I had been in publishing and been giving presentations and stuff for a long time. I was giving climate presentations before Climate Reality Project, so I was able to really bring a lot of the my background and stuff into, into this, which I felt was really great. So I think that climate reality, it supports you, but it also gives you the ability to go off where you, you excel, where your interests are, where, you know, as Lucy said, your, your talents are. And I think that is one of the great things that climate reality has been able to do is, is to kind of, you know, give people a foundation and let, let them run with it in, in places that need, need, that, need, need those voices
1: you know, I taught climate change, like Dan I had been presenting climate change for 20 years or, you know, for, um, yeah, for 20 years before I got trained, I got trained. And um, it's just, there's so much that is given to you so many beautiful uh, resources. And then there's training on how to tailor things and how to pace things and, you know, how to, be an effective speaker. Just a lot that's given to you in this training. So yeah, join and people will help you on this.
3: How do you think something like this in LA could be replicated to other counties?
1: So what I would say about this is that we should do exactly what got me started, which is um, the Bay Area organizations. they They have a once a month meeting where they hear reports from all the different Groups from Oakland, from Berkeley, from Fremont, from uh, Santa Clara, from all these different organizations—these uh, places where people are trying to get an organization going—and if we did that here in Los Angeles, it would be fantastic, 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 and we could reach out to Orange County as well.
3: Awesome, Dan. Add.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would not like like Lucy was mentioning. You know, this resolution got started not just from from you know this committee kind of thinking up. know we need to do a resolution and no one else has done it the reality is other some other districts you know throughout california have done this you know berkeley oakland fremont so one of the important things that we did was we did step on the shoulders of, of other giants right so we looked and saw how other other um districts did stuff and so we saw that and then we adapted that to our needs because we're a much bigger school district than those other than those others that i mentioned so plus we have different we all have different you know needs and different communities and so how th- how does this resolution really afle- uh, reflect the needs of of our district so what i would say is that this resolution is is something that we want to pay forward to other other schools other districts other other states we don't want we would like other schools and school districts not to have to reinvent the wheel, you know, take a look at what we've done, take a look at what, what other schools uh, school districts have done with their resolutions and build off of this. So you don't have to spend so much time and energy and resources um, to again, reinvent the wheel, um, come to us, ask us, ask some of our partners and we can help, help the process along and move it faster because the reality is we're running out of time. And the things that we can do that reduce the amount of time and make a bigger impact are the things that we really need to do.
3: You both are truly inspiring. We named this podcast One World because the earth is what we all have in common. What do you think is the most effective way to truly change our One World for the better, Dan?
2: Well, you know, I think if everybody kind of did something, right, um, that's really an important thing, right? Uh, I think, like, everybody believes that it's a huge problem and they can't solve it. And how is something that is global warming, creating climate change, how is one person in this whole one world going to make a difference? Well, if we all thought that way, we would never achieve anything. But if everybody did something a little bit and moved that ball forward, created some progress, like I mentioned earlier... We could do something. It's like voting, right? Everybody thinks voting doesn't matter. Your vote does matter, right? Matters a great deal because everybody didn't vote. You know, look at the consequences that happens, right? So we can all do a little bit um, and try to make progress. You know.
3: Yeah, and seeing the both of you, just two people, making all of this difference, really inspiring as well.
1: Yeah, and Lucy. (laughs) Yeah, it's not only two people. There's been a whole crew of lots of people who've really helped this happen. Um, and that just points to something that I want to say, you know, and that is that the thing that I've noticed is that as soon as you start talking about a big problem, people start talking about other people's, what's inside other people's head instead of what's inside their own head. So they start reporting that other people don't care. People don't do this. People, 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 people. What do you think? How are you acting? You know, what do you believe? Share that. And then see what happens, um, and a you know because because that's how you find out whether people can support you. And then listen, listen. What are their concerns, and how can how can that be um, connected to to this climate issue that you have? How do your concerns hook up? And then you can begin to work in any way and in any discipline to help this um, go forward. Um, One world. As I said before, just be sure you're working together with other people. Don't try to do anything alone and always work with complete um, honesty and clarity.
3: That is an amazing message.
1: Well, thank you, Lucy, Dan, and the whole Climate
3: Curriculum Committee for doing what no one has done before and to get this resolution passed in LA. I hope you will come back and tell us more about the implementation and hear as well from students about what they are learning in the classroom. You can find out more at laclimatereality.org, and One World is available on Spotify and Apple. See you next time for another edition of One World.